Welcome into a brand new edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Kevin Syracuse. To break down all things Buffalo Bills, we are proud to be part of the Built in Buffalo network. This show, as always, is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Get out there and check out all their amazing artwork. But we're glad to be back. We're glad to be with you, and we're glad to talk Buffalo Bills football. We have a lot to go over here today. We have a Jets game to recap, one where maybe the Bills offense got back on track. The Bills defense was humming. And does Joe Brady have what it takes to get going? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Eagles. Do the Bills have a last-minute playoff push in them? There's plenty of weeks left for that to get done. Kevin, first and foremost, how are you doing today? I feel great. Um, you know, we're back on track here, and hopefully the Bills are on track as well. And on top of that, it is a great time to be part of the F group here. We have family, friends, food, football, and for a bonus one, <laughs> fantasy, because uh, fantasy football, there's some big implications usually around this time of the year. So definitely a great time to be a football fan. Absolutely. Yes. Please smash the like button. Thank you, D-Rom. If you could smash the like button, that means a ton to us. So get down there, check it out, smash the like button. We also have a giveaway going on through, through the um, through the main Built in Buffalo Twitter page. Retweet that and just subscribe, and you can win a couple of really great prizes as well. So that's pretty cool. So make sure you go out there, check it out, check all things Built in Buffalo as well. We'll be bringing a, quite some action here over the course of the following weeks. We're going to have some great guests on as well, talking to some pretty cool Chiefs guests that we'll have on the show potentially next week, as well as some Cowboys guests. So we're going to try to bring you the action the best that we can. And obviously anyone that tunes into to us here at Going Deep, we bring you all of our analyticals. But at the same time, we still want to talk eye test and we still want to talk some things that we see on the field. And one of the first topics that I needed to discuss with you, Kevin, and one that I think is, you know, a pretty good talking point is the, this victory that they just had over the Jets. There was a lot of talk about, is it over? Can they beat this Jets defense? Can they be? It, it's actually Joe Brady was one and two against, or excuse me, is one and oh now against this, this Jets team where Ken Dorsey followed a track of one and two and Josh Allen now is very good is statistically against the Jets, minus that little stretch in there when he was being led by a Ken Dorsey-led offense. So what were some of your immediate reactions from what we saw in that Jets game just from the start, from a really good special teams play? Unfortunately, they were halted there with a field goal. You know, it's been three days now post-game. We don't need to get crazy here. But what are your takeaways from, you know, being there and kind of the emotion of what was going on? I thought it was great for the Bills and for Joe Brady to get back on track. And, you know, we had talked about this a little bit before the last time that we were on air about how the Bills need to find that fastball again. And I think they did that, but they mixed in a couple of different pitches in there as well. And it was great to see because I tweeted this before the game a couple of days, actually. And I was like, look, J Joe Brady doesn't have to come in and call this master plan. Some of these fixes are very, very simple that I could walk in. If the Bills hired me to be the offensive coordinator, I can make these fixes myself because that's just how stale and predictable Ken Dorsey's offense was getting. And, I mean, the fact that they lost that Broncos game, that really wasn't Ken Dorsey's fault. There are a lot of different problems that we saw during that game. But you go through the, those five stretches of games there, and it was just getting abysmal. And it's like, what happened to Josh Allen? So this is the tweet that I had where I said, this is what Joe Brady can do to help Josh Allen, because that was first and foremost. You have to get Josh back to being Josh, and the rest will take care of itself. 
So QB design runs early in the game because that's what Josh needs. He needs to be able to get that exposure and get him in the flow where he says, I love that blank. You know, like that's what he likes to get juiced up. So going off of that, you put him under center. Use play action because Josh Allen under center using play action is one of the most lethal things in the NFL. And the numbers back that up, too. I wanted to see the Bills use pre-snap motion. That was something that Ken Dorsey went away from. I don't know why, because, again, these are all just so mind-boggling because it's like Ken Dorsey had all the answers to the test. It was like an open note test, but he said, nah, that's okay. I'm not going to use these. And then moving down on the list, utilizing quick hitters in the middle of the field. That's also something that Dorsey and the Bills offense went away from. And then I wanted them to design better spacing on route concepts because there are a lot of times when the receivers would get bunched up down the field. You can start bunched up, you know, bunch formation, but you shouldn't end up bunched up. So I thought that Brady did those five things, and I thought that Josh was back to being Josh, and I think this was a huge step in the right direction. I think one of the coolest things you saw was 15 completions off of motion. Uh, that's new for Josh Allen. He generally likes to see the field. He doesn't like things crossing in front of him. He will tell you that. Um, you know, we've had some interactions with Josh where he likes being in shotgun. Um, that's not a Ken Dorsey thing. That's not a Brian Dable thing. That's not, you know, Joe Brady thing. He likes to see the field. He likes to read the linebackers. He likes to call some type of check. You heard checks all game long. Uh, you like to see him run go routes. So you saw you saw many times where he ran the Seattle play, and you saw him referencing different players that have played for Seattle um, as a deep, deep route that he would like to, to go to. So I think you see Josh Allen really like to manipulate the defense that way, but he is learning himself. 15 for 15 for 15 in motion, um, including uh, two touchdowns. So you see a lot of that success with the motion. And you look, let's call it what it is. The Dolphins have now made that very trendy. They've made it like a really trendy topic to see as you almost see Tyreek Hill and others go toward the line of scrimmage, which is a foul in the NFL, uh, borderline uh, with that style of motion. So that's a pretty trending topic right now. Josh Allen was able to be successful in those scenarios. And one of the players of the game, and Joe Brady called it out, was Gabe Davis. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about Gabe Davis because of his back-to-back games without catches. And you think he disappeared. Where he? And everyone's like, well, he's a good run blocker. He's a, he's a decent run blocker. He's a good run blocker. But nothing that's like you need to write home about. You'd like to have him in the offense. But what he was doing was running the routes to open spaces, bringing open his tight ends and running backs. You saw multiple times on hitches. You saw in routes. You saw all types of different style of route running that would bring the corner into the linebacker, almost a natural pick, freeing up James Cook throughout the course of the game uh, and Ty Johnson as well. So you saw what Gabe Davis can do with his route running. Sooner or later, the corner is going to leave Gabe Davis to, to motion and, and, and watch the running back and or tight end in these situations. So what's really interesting is when that happens, then Gabe Davis is going to have a big game. You almost saw the, the, the iteration of this against Tampa Bay where he was running short routes and getting the ball. Really where the adjustment by the Jets defense, they said, we're not going to let these receivers beat us. And they did a pretty good job against the Bills receivers, minus Khalil Shakir. But they totally forgot about what Joe Brady was going to be able to scheme up, not only in his tight ends, but his two running backs out of the backfield. I think that Ty Johnson's kind of a perfect fit for Joe Brady. So we're going to see this. This was supposed to be Leonard Fournette uh, time, and it was pretty natural fit to kind of swap the two out, maybe try to get Ty Johnson back on the practice squad, whatever they were going to do. 
But I'm not so sure with this motion and what they're able to do with Ty Johnson. Did he develop more of a game plan for Ty Johnson? It seemed to be the style of running back that maybe Joe Brady prefers. So we're going to have to see how that all kind of plays out over the course of the next couple of weeks, or if Leonard Fournette will take over for that third running back spot. But I think that the Bills got back on track offensively. There's a lot to really think about here long term. Did they really turn the corner or did they not? Is it is it just one of those, okay, they get the little boost and, um, you know, it's, it's just going to regress. So what do you feel like? So Joe Brady's here to stay. Obviously, everyone was pretty impressed about this style of game. Are you excited, Kevin, at all about what Joe Brady can do? Do you think that this will continue or do you have some worries still? Yeah, no, I, I think it will continue because I think that this offense will only get better. And going off of the point that you made, I love that he found ways to use James Cook and Ty Johnson. Because going back to the Gabe Davis point, it's easy to say, well, Gabe Davis had zero yards on zero catches. Stephon Diggs was held to four catches and only 27 yards. And that's pretty much unheard of, other than the last week when Patrick Sertan held him in check. But two weeks in a row where Diggs has pretty much been a non-factor, at least from a box score standpoint. But you look at the box score from Sunday, Khalil Shakir, three receptions, 115 yards and a touchdown. Ty Johnson, three receptions, 47 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid, six receptions, 46 yards. He did not score, but he had a huge block, which helped um, Khalil Shakir score on the 81-yard touchdown, which by the way, is the longest receiving touchdown in the NFL so far this year. And then James Cook was a fourth leading receiver with 29 yards and a touchdown on three receptions. So again, it's easy to look at it from a glass half empty perspective and say, Gabe Davis is trash. We're not bringing him back next year. But looking at it from a more optimistic standpoint, the Bills were able to do this with guys that Ken Dorsey did not know how to utilize. And the fact that James Cook and Ty Johnson and Khalil Shakir were the leading receivers, that makes me feel a lot better because we still have Diggs and Davis who could really pop off this week against Philadelphia. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lance. We really appreciate you tuning in, and thanks for all of your support here from the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. And he is. Josh Allen is such a weapon when he plays free and has the juice. Love the running back prediction against the Jets. Hope it continues. Yeah, I mean, to the point of will Joe Brady continue to feast and utilize these running backs We'll have to see, but it's promising. He is known to like his running backs out of the backfield. He is known to create weapons to the one thing he was able to do in his tenure. Look, he started off with, with you know, Justin Jefferson, right? Um, so he started off with, in his tenure, with some of the best receivers and best, you know, best offenses in the league. Quickly got, you know, rose the ranks from there, from his college days, into a situation to where he's seen some really good weapons in the past. And I think that you're going to continue. He sees like a Curtis Samuel in the mold of a Khalil Shakir. Like you see Ty Johnson did have a nine Raz is a really athletic player. He is dominant. Like most people forgot. He was one of the Jets like prior to obviously prior to Brees Hall. He was one of their up and coming backs. I thought he might be their running back one. They obviously went a different direction, uh, you know, turned over and into a Brees Hall situation, which was great. You know, Brees Hall's great. Uh, it's a really cool, interesting story to, to see how uh, Mookie Hawkins actually asked uh, Brees Hall himself about how he felt about the, the possibility of maybe getting drafted by the Bills. He had some wisecrack that said uh, Josh wanted Elam or something along those lines. So it was really pretty funny to hear that situation because 
that was probably the Bills draft choice. Say Elam was gone or they didn't go corner. I think it was much. And then obviously they selected Cook. So it's definitely a pretty interesting situation to where if, you know, if you would trade James Cook and, and Kyrie Elam for um, Brees Hall, I probably would, but that's a discussion for a different day. Uh, but Ty Johnson's a guy that tore his pack. There was not much hope that he could return from that, from the running back position, if he could carry the ball, how he would be out of the backfield, some more of his dominant stretches. Uh, the, the way he was able to, to coordinate the sideline with his speed, those are elite level traits. We'll see if he's able to kind of develop those as they go. But there's going to be third down opportunities. James Cook comes off the field on third down. He's been a historically bad uh, pass blocker and pass protection. His numbers are fairly weak there where the, the Bills don't trust him in third down, at least from a pass blocking standpoint. So we're going to have to see how this running back room kind of goes from here. And the one good thing to come that Joe Brady has to work with is a full strength Bills offensive line, number one in the league uh, in all metrics in pass protection. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see that uh, they've taken nearly every snap, Torrance Brown, McGovern, Morrison, Dawkins, and what they've been able to do from the uh, offensive line position, which many would say if the Bills offensive line was good and healthy, that they should be humming. That was one of the biggest weaknesses that the Bill that people thought that the Bills struggled with last year and really where maybe it unraveled, Kevin. So as we kind of put Joe Brady at least to bed for now um, until next week, are you pretty confident in what he's able to do with these running backs? Do you feel strongly that with this O-line that is playing really well, they're top seven in most metrics, really. PFF doesn't love their run blocking, but other metrics do. Um, you know, it's it's the number three offense DVOA. Um, it's, it's really closer to one than it is seven. So, like, where do you stand on if the Bills can really get this thing in high gear as they approach the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, number one, I think the offensive line has been playing great. And number two... I don't know this. I was unable to find this stat, but do you know the last time that the Bills scored two passing touchdowns with two running backs? Because it seems like forever. I mean, maybe they had a game or two sprinkled in there, but it really feels like it was back to the CJ Spiller, Fred Jackson days when the Bills actually knew how to run screen passes and get their running backs out in space and let them do the work. Because for the last few years, even before with Brian Dable, now, I think he was a little better with it than Dorsey, but look at the personnel. Maybe they, he didn't have the exact players to do it, but I just feel like it's been such a long time since we saw two running backs have that much of an effect on the game. So do you know when the last time was that that happened? I don't, but two different ones has to be a fairly long time. Um, it's not, jo I mean, yeah, I, I can't recall in Josh, Allen's, Josh Allen's tenure. It's not generally his style. He's a heavy receiver user. Uh, you know, he's been able to develop you know, whether it's Cole Beasley, whether it's, um, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, John Browns, um, like he's been able to develop these or even even early on in his tenure. You know, he's got Robert Foster and other guys that he was using. So he really loves his receivers. Um, but I don't recall the last time that's true that he's been able to. He's just now kind of developing into, you know, Knox and into Kincaid, really seeing the value of those tight ends. And speaking of Knox, I don't believe the time frame from what I've been told internally is after the buy. Uh, he had a stimulator on his bone uh, to stimulate some more growth and uh, some healing growth in his wrist area. It's like the the bone on the top of your hand. I don't think it's your hammock, but it's something around there um, that he had to have surgically uh, operated on. And I always believe that the opportunity was against the Chiefs that he would go uh, with that extra week. 
If not, I do believe it's the following week there against the Cowboys, but he'll be back somewhere in there. And I think like at some point, Kyrie Elam could come back into play here, especially we'll see what these DB injuries look like uh, here going forward. And Daquan Jones is out of his sling. Uh, and it's been told to me that um, they're trying hard to get him back by the regular season ending. Uh, so there's definitely some positive movements here. Nothing on Trey White um, and uh, the Matt Milano situation. I'm not sure that that uh, that leg fractures where it needs to be yet to to suit up. It may be one of those situations where they would entertain something later into January at this stage uh, if that's healed. Uh, but we'll have to see what happens on those. So that's your injury update. As you go into the corner room as well, you have a couple of key corners, Dane Jackson. So really, Kevin, you have your first, you know, talking about like call it week from week three on, you have your first corner, uh, you have your third, your fourth, and your fifth out right now. Um, obviously, they were able to supplement that with going out and inquiring Razul Douglas, uh, who's now their first corner to take over for Trey. But previous to that, in the preseason, you are having some corner issues with how good Benford's been is a, is a really nice surprise. Benford, Johnson, and Rasul Douglas, three players in the top 25 right now in a few metrics. PFF, um, separation. Uh, Benford's one of the best corners in the league at preventing separation. So there's there's some definitely some good positive signs there. But it's finally coming to a head where some of those corner injuries are definitely going to sneak up on this team uh, as they kind of get through this whole thing. So there's a lot to, to kind of digest there, but one topic I wanted to bring up, but first I have to say this show is always brought to you by sons of Erie, www.sonsofeerie.com and the summit center. Some of the best autism school and resources out there for kids with special needs across Western New York. Appreciate any support and looking into the Summit Center by anyone possible. That would be great. Um, and the giveaway we have running on, on the built-in Buffalo Twitter account and Facebook. Go out there. All you have to do is sub or retweet or share uh, that, and you can go ahead and win a Christian Benford signed jersey as well as a, Michael Hyde, a Micah Hyde mini helmet. So a lot of cool things there. And as well as Sons of Erie is giving away a really cool James Gandolfini signed uh sign plaque so get out there and check out their giveaway on their sons of eerie instagram account but kevin we have to talk i know this is a pretty interesting point because some people think that they've been playing well this entire time some don't some think you know there's multiple opinions on this but the buffalo bills defense came out and got it done four turnovers six sacks matched four game totals in those uh coming into this game so is the Bills defense back? The DBs are roaring. The DBs are really good. And the linebacker play has been good. And the D-line's been good. So at some point that this Bills depth really did prove to be fruitful with how many real high-end injuries they had and how it looked, especially in London against Jacksonville. Kevin, what is your opinion on is the Bills defense back? I think the Bills defense has pretty much been where it's been all year. Now, to your point, they played very well against the Jets, but let's not forget it was Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle. So let's see if they can replicate that this Sunday against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And then following the bye against Patrick Mahomes, hopefully get a few of these guys that you were talking about back from injury. But honestly, I think that the bills defense has been holding this season together for them. And it's crazy to think about that because the offense has been pretty much healthy minus Dawson Knox. And then Damian Harris, the starters have been intact on the bills offense. But the defense has been decimated by injuries, and they have been the ones who have been keeping the Bills in these games. And it's the offense who can't score more than 20, 23, 25 points, where it's like, come on, you really can't outscore the Patriots. You really can't outscore the Broncos. 
So, yeah, you, you can pick apart plays and say, well, the defense didn't do their job here. They didn't contain this. They didn't do that. But at the end of the day, all things considered, this comes down to the offense for me. The Bills have had an offensive problem where I, I can't really get on the defense that much just because of the injuries. So I've been very hard on the offense saying, if you are healthy, if you have Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs playing at their best, you need to be able to find ways to score more than 25 points and beat some of these teams who should have no business even coming close to beating you. So I guess to answer your question, I think the Bills defense is who we thought they were. Sean McDermott has done a phenomenal job coaching them up. And someone that I just want to highlight real quick, Tyrell Dodson, the highest graded Bills player, according to PFF, with a 90.3. Now, say what you want about PFF and say what you want about Tyrell Dodson because he started off very shaky and maybe he's not the best in pass coverage. But that just shows how McDermott has been able to coach up this defense after the injuries. I mean, I think it comes down to how good he is as a defensive coordinator. I don't think that there's any argument about his how what he's been able to, Kevin's point, what he's been able to do with this defense, uh, especially checking out all these injuries. So if you feel like he's, you know, maybe had a few ups and downs here and there, um, ultimately this Bills defense has been then, to your opinion, very strong. And really, I think they more was an adjustment period with having to lose an entire game plan where you're building on what Trey White's able to do against Tyreek Hill, what you can do with Matt Milano in coverage, how you know you can attack with the Daquan Jones in the middle of your defense. All three of them were back to form playing really good football. It wasn't like they lost a few guys here and there. I mean, there's definitely an injury discrepancy here at the Bills against the Broncos and a few weeks ago. The Jets have had their fair share of injuries, but the Eagles haven't. So there's definitely been some type of discrepancy kind of with the war uh, wins above replacement lost in the injury category. And I'll show you that a little bit here as we talk about the Eagles in a moment. But who will play for Taryn if if Dane can't go? Dane's a boundary, so he will just be replaced by Benford. Uh, obviously, Taryn will be replaced by Cam Lewis. He's a guy that came in the game and played reasonably well uh, in this game. And I know it was Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, it's definitely something that doesn't, I don't forget about. And obviously the Bills were the team that actually finally get the Jets to bench Zach Wilson. No one was able to do that. Zach Wilson beat the Eagles. Zach Wilson's beating the Bills. Um, there's definitely been situations to where he's wanted to beat the Broncos. He's, I mean, he's played efficient football at times. So it is, it's Zach Wilson when you play good, but then you forget when he does win games, like he doesn't get that credit. It's the only team to beat the Eagles this year. So there's definitely something to be said about for that. And don't forget what the Bills have been able to now to do against Mixon, what they were just able to do against um, Javon uh, Williams, what they were just able to do against Brees Hall. So like J Jacobs earlier this year, like at some point I'm sick of like hearing about how poor the run defense is. It's played reasonably well so far uh, by all metrics beside a few big runs that you can't erase, but those runs, um, you know, generally you're, you're looking at Bills carries for under three yards per carry against the Bills. So that's been strong. They have a negative 13.7 DVOA against the run, uh, 14th in the league, uh, meaning that the Bills are 13% better than average at stopping the run. I believe that the run defense has been pretty good lately. And Terrell Dotson, a guy many weren't sure about what to do. They do take him out on passing downs on purpose. So they are highlighting his strengths, Kevin, uh, when it comes to Terrell Dotson. So that is something to definitely note. And it's worked, um, you know, on the coverage end, though, the Bills have definitely struggled because they take them out. They try wrap. They tried a few different things to to kind of make up for that coverage. They tried Dorian Williams at times um, to figure it out. Dorian Williams is 200 snaps this year. 
So there's definitely like, how do we get around this Matt Milano on the coverage end on run defense? They, they haven't lost a step, um, but they're going to have to turn to Cam Lewis here in coverage. It uh, does not look like Taron Johnson is going to get the extra week to heal uh, that concussion. So does it look like on the Dane Jackson front, the Dane Jackson one's a little bit less important because you have a Rizul Douglas and uh, Christian Benford on the boundaries. I'd expect an Ingram call up his final call up of the season. So the Bills defense does look like it's going to be able to at least sustain this on a one-week basis, but they're mighty thin at corner. They cannot have anybody come out of the game, as even Cam Lewis is going to score a matchup with, you know, he's not going to have the world's hardest matchup, though they will bump in Devontae Smith into the slot. Uh, so he's going to have some struggles there at times against one of the best receiver twos in the league. Uh, but that should put a little bit less when they do that. Uh, the Bills can kind of counter with certain coverages and put a little bit less stress on the boundary corners. So there's going to be definitely a chess match to be played uh, in this game. But it's time to talk about the Eagles, Kevin. It's time to get into this game. Uh, the Jets game was great. As many people have noted, it is just Zach Wilson. It's the Bills did what they were supposed to do, not only last week, but the week in week one. What is your opinion? on Just from a, from a high-end macro standpoint of this Eagles game, um, you know, at one point, this could have been a game with only, you know, the Bills could only had two losses. Uh, this could have been like the game of the week, and it still kind of is in a way. What is your opinion as you saw what the Eagles were able to do against the Chiefs late in that game, uh, but really were aided by Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop? I think the Eagles and the Chiefs for that matter, but for this week, we're focused on the Eagles. I think that this is a very beatable team. I know they're nine and one, but they could easily have six or seven wins right now. I've said it since the beginning of the year that they are very lucky. Now, I don't want to just say that it's all luck because good teams find ways to win and they can pull out some of these close, tough um, contests. But there are a lot of games where the Eagles probably could have dropped them and they find ways to win. So I think that this is going to be a really tough battle for the Bills. And I think it's going to be back and forth. I don't see the Eagles blowing us out. I don't see the Bills blowing the Eagles out. We'll get into our score predictions later on in the show, but I think this is going to be one of the best games. Maybe I shouldn't say best games of the year, but going back to what we said at the outset of this show, I think the Bills offense found their groove again. And the fact that Josh Allen said that he's back, look out. I think so too. And the, the okay, here's for, for them being many wins apart right now. Obviously, the Bills have five losses. The Eagles only have one. There's a four loss discrepancy. A lot of metrics do not point to that, you know, point to that, including the fact of one of EP, uh, ESPN's, um, you know, game generators. They like to use their statistics and they run models and uh, they kind of see how if you, you sim it over a thousand times, what will happen with these rosters, um, et cetera. What's interesting is the Bills are projected to win 54% of the time, and that's from a team with four losses because that'll show you how this discrepancy is not very big when it comes to a statistical analysis of what these teams are able to do. For instance, the Bills are fifth DVOA, third on offense, 15 on defense. Okay, pretty straightforward. You look at the Eagles' 10th overall, so they're mightily worse at affecting the game. Um, you know, they're sixth on offense. So actually for the Bills changing their offensive coordinator, there are a lot of metrics that say the Bills offense is better. And then on defense, even where you would think because of that ferocious pass rush, they're actually 17th on defense. They have struggled in the back, including making a trade for Kevin Bayard from Tennessee. 
switching out their nickel cornerback a ton. And even their, their standard Slay and Bradbury have struggled in stretches. So they're definitely vulnerable there. Uh, they've lost N'Kobe Dean for the season. He's one of their only defensive injuries, as well as Dallas Goddard on the offensive side. And they're one of the healthiest teams in the league. Obviously, Hurts has whatever he has going on. Definitely looked limited in some ways uh, against the Chiefs, where he wasn't his usual self uh, in that game. So you know, some of the metrics do like the bills in metric base. I mean, you can pull a lot of different things. Like obviously Josh Allen is top of the list in EPA. Um, you know, there's a lot of metrics that show the bills better than the Eagles in every category. So I think that there's definitely some positive reinforcements to take here that will show like the bills need to steal the game. Like at, if they were seven and four or seven and three or whatever that would be here. Yeah. Seven and seven and four, even eight and three at this stage. You know, maybe be a little bit different, but the numbers need to neutralize themselves. And this would be a good week for them to happen for the Bills to steal a win. And and the Eagles, by all accounts, should have, as you mentioned, two, three, four losses at this stage. Um, so at some point, I do think that they'll start to pile, even if it's after the Bills game, Kevin. So if you look at the Bills offensive side and you see them trying to target the this Eagles defense that has been vulnerable in the secondary. Look, they should have lost the game. Like, no offense, like. Receivers should make that play that Marquez Valdez-Scantling missed. I'm not saying the Eagles wouldn't have gone down, tied the game, gone to overtime, whatever the situation may have been from there. But it did look like the Chiefs did enough to get it done. They scored points within the 20s if that catch is made. Uh, it, it looked like they're pretty vulnerable in the secondary. Are you pretty excited for the Bills to kind of use this new motion, new style offense with some new you know tweaks? It's really the same. Uh, but kind of that new energy offense to go against these Eagles – uh, secondary. I don't think this is the Eagles defense. Um, they do have, you know, a few pass rushers, but they've struggled a little bit. Hence how they had to go out and get sweat as well from Washington. Yeah. Before we get into more of the specifics here and the matchups, I want to ask you, do you think this is a trap game for the Eagles? Because people were saying that it was good that they beat the chiefs because a it's another loss for the chiefs and it helps us in the conference standings, but then B if the Eagles lost, they would have been mad and they would have wanted to write the ship. So do you think that this could be one of those classic trap games for Philly where they're like, all right, we're nine and one. We're good. We can beat the Bills. They're only six and five. And then, bam, here comes Josh Allen. So how do you yeah. see this from a general overview, Kevin? I think when you when you ever have a top quarterback coming in, regardless of their record, even if it's Justin Herbert, you know, you, like no matter what they'll be, that team is always a trap game against the Chargers. And now the Bills are in trap game territory where they're six and five. And absolutely, when you have a team like this coming in to your town, into your city with a top flight quarterback, and we've gone through some of the early metrics, that's a worry off of an emotional game. You know, one where you know um, they took every ounce of them to, to kind of hold on there. I do believe that that is what you're looking for in a trap game. So absolutely, if you want to now put the Bills out of that elite echelon and into the trap category, that's what even makes it more scary that that they have to be. It's an AFC game. They don't play each other very much. They don't see Josh Allen a lot. They haven't seen him in four years. Uh, just equally, the Bills haven't seen Hurts ever. Uh, McDermott and Allen have also never beaten the Eagles. Um, so that that's one of, I think them and the Cardinals are the only two teams left on the docket uh, there as well. So there's definitely, I think, some trap potential here anytime you see this game. And at some point, I don't believe the Eagles are a one-loss team. I do believe they'll lose a few games just like they did down the stretch last year as well. Obviously, Hurts went out. Hurts seems to get banged up toward later in the year. He doesn't look full strength to me, and it's affecting his legs, which 
is what makes him elite. So I do think that they they are on um, they are definitely on watch of uh, some form of kind of trap game, especially when you have a top team. But even record aside, Kevin, it's tough to put the Bills in that trap category because I think the Eagles might look at them as a seven eight win team, like regardless of what their record says, because that's what they should be had they subbed properly. Like we're not talking about made some miraculous play. We're talking about like subbed properly or just kept their defense out there for a missed field goal attempt and didn't let Mac Jones drive the entire field. Uh, that's something that he hadn't done in 35 games since his rookie year. Um, very easily the bills could have those could have three losses. Um, and you can dissect each of those three losses. They beat the jets by more points than they've lost to in all five of those games combined. So there's definitely uh, some feels that I don't know that the Eagles are going to fully look at them as a trap type style team. But emotionally, after that Monday night game, I do think that there's you know less time for rehab, you know less time for those nagging injuries. Hurts didn't look right at some points in that game, um, so we'll see exactly how this. AJ Brown kind of had his on the injury report. Swift is on the injury report. I'm sure they're both fine, um, but at some point, those little nagging things are going to catch up to them because they are in uh, toward the top of the league and losing and not losing uh, games due to injury. So if you look at this matchup in whole, are you pretty excited to attack this? Is this kind of like free and easy or are you feeling stressed out with having to take a, a win if you're the Bills? Um, I think a little bit of both because we are getting into crunch time now, but as we'll get to later on in the show, I think that there is a route that the Bills can still make the playoffs, even if they drop this game. And one other point that I want to make, Kevin, is that I think we could easily flip-flop the records here. I think you could look at the Eagles as being a six-win team and five losses. Well, they already had the bye. So I, I think regardless, you could probably give the Bills record to the Eagles and the Eagles record to the Bills. We're talking about some of those games. The Bills could easily have nine wins right now. But like you said, 12 men on the field. You let Mac Jones drive all the way down. You had whatever happened in London with the Jaguars. Now, credit to the Jaguars because they're a good team. You let Zach Wilson beat you on opening weekend. So, I mean, the Bills have dropped so many games where I, I, I agree. I don't think that the Eagles are totally overlooking the Bills because I think they know how potent of a team this can be. And I think for what it's worth, Ticketmaster is doing the same because I was looking at tickets and the last I saw, the cheapest ticket is going for like $300. So really? I thought that was interesting because I'm wondering if the market is looking at this and saying, this is probably one of our only chances to see Josh Allen here in his prime, because you only play the Eagles every so often. And then the next time they play the Eagles, unless there's some discrepancy in the schedule, Philadelphia will be coming to Buffalo. So the market might be looking at this and saying, Hey, this is a huge game. If you want to see Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, you better come to this game right now, right here in this year. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to bring up too, what I talked about for a little, for a moment there, look at where the bills injuries have cost them defensively. Uh, their defensive wars over 0.6. That's excruciating. Um, they're by far the worst in the league at, at really how many injuries that they've had to face at the defensive position. Uh, and even on the offensive side, they lost zero point wrong. 0.5 war offensively too. Um, that's got to be in there with Dawson Knox and a few other um, nagging injuries that they've lost. So like, if you look at that, like it's, it's, it's a big discrepancy. And then you kind of look for the Eagles, where are the Eagles at 
you kind of see them more toward the line. Um, they really haven't faced too many injuries. Uh, nothing on the uh, offensive side beside Goddard one game so far that they've missed from Goddard and uh, a few minor players like Nicobe Dean and, and a few others. So uh, th these are what makes and breaks the difference of, again, here's here's essentially the Bills losing over a win to injuries and the Eagles not even really losing anything. So if you look at it that way, um, you know, the Eagles are kind of eating that that zero wins uh, removed from their injury. So you have some teams right there that have been fairly healthy this year. Uh, but the poor Vikings, poor Chargers have faced some injuries. Uh, you see some of the Steelers, Bills, Cardinals, Browns. You see some there that have highly affected in Cowboys and, and Panthers as well. So there's definitely been some good luck when it comes to the Eagles so far. And, and um, you know, that's that's good for them that they haven't had to face some of those. The Broncos are right there, too. Another team I just mentioned that the Bills had to play. I uh, haven't really lost too many things due to injury uh, as well. Um and as you kind of turn your attention back to, I want to talk about the Bills defensive side and what they're going to do against this high flying Eagles offense. Um, and once again, by all metrics, the Bills offense is better by a lot of accounts, um, but they have one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the league. Overall, their offensive line's really good. Limited without Goddard on the weapons. It's just AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, two really high end receivers. Uh, but will the Bills do enough to be able to scheme that with really those two being their only pass catchers uh, with Swift as well, obviously, uh, there? You know, then you're talking about like Julio Jones and a couple of other players that don't really do a ton uh, at the stage of their careers. Um, and Jack Stroll and just a couple like, you know, uh, their backup tight end and Grant Calcaterra is out. Uh, so there's definitely some plus matchups Um from the Bills defensive side of the ball. So we'll see if they're able to account for those. And a couple of new acquisitions I wanted to ask you about, Kevin. You have, you know, Rasul Douglas, you have Leonard Floyd, uh, you have Linville Joseph. Like, what is your takeaway about how some of these one-year deals? You know, Douglas is a little longer with a year next year. How are you feeling about these acquisitions that the Bills have been able to make? And they've been huge. Oh, for sure. We need to spend a couple of minutes on these guys because Brandon Bean deserves all the credit in the world for signing Leonard Floyd in June. Let's not forget that he signed him after the first few waves of free agency and after the draft, Leonard Floyd was still sitting out there and that's when Bean signed him. So it wasn't until very late in the offseason that Leonard Floyd became a Buffalo Bill. And then obviously we know that they acquired Russell Douglas, which is an absolute steal when you look at the contract details and the way that Russell Douglas has played and I was looking into some of the stats today. One other name I want to throw out there, Terrell Bernard, is eighth in the league in tackles. Excuse me, ninth. He has 99 tackles, and he did miss that game. He, he did miss a game this year, correct, with a concussion? Or has he played in all of them? Uh, he ended up playing because it was that Monday night game. He had that extra day of rest. That's right, yeah. I was. I, I think I was thinking of it from the Taron Johnson perspective yeah. and Dane Jackson because they won't have that extra day, so maybe – the Bills will be more cautious with them, and then they let them rest over the bye. But either way, Terrell Bernard, top 10 in tackles. And then Leonard Floyd is eighth in sacks, nine and a half sacks. And this was a guy that, that we were talking about going into the season saying, hey, he's essentially a placeholder until Von Miller comes back from his ACL injury. And you know what? Von Miller has come back, but he hasn't been the same old Von Miller. And Leonard Floyd is essentially playing like we thought Von Miller would be. He has been an absolute stud. So, again, I think Brandon Bean deserves all the credit for that. 
And we need to talk about Russell Douglas because look at some of these stats that he had on Sunday against the Jets. 96.3 PFF grade, an 89.0 run defense grade. He did not allow one reception on four targets. He had two interceptions. He recovered a fumble and a 0.0 passer rating allowed. Now, again, it was just Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and the Jets, but that is nothing to scoff at. I mean, those are really, really impressive numbers. And I think Russell Douglas is playing like a CB1, like the Bills envisioned when they acquired him. I mean, Rasul Douglas, I tweeted this earlier during the there's Sunday now at this point, but um, that, you know, what what a what a great acquisition by the Bills. You know, they only really only about a 40, 40 drop pick swap from the bottom of the third, roughly somewhere middle to bottom to middle high of the fifth. You know, you're talking about, you know, the whole fourth round and some picks in between. So you're talking about 40 picks to swap out to get a guy not only as as this year, he's going to be your starting corner next year. So the Bills definitely had an issue there. Um, with are they going to replace Dane Jackson? What are they going to Trey White? There's definitely some situations now that you have Benford and Douglas, the the, the corners that you'll see this week. Um, those are your corners. I mean, they'll definitely have some reinforcements with Trey White. Um, you know, what, what will Kyir, uh, Kyir Elam do? Um, so there's definitely some corners there. You know, Taron Johnson signed fairly long term. They'll continue to, you know, he has two years left too. Um, they'll continue to rework his deal over time. So, you know, they're, they're fairly set at the corner position, definitely a position where Bean and McDermott can nail anyways, uh, but it's really good to see that acquisition. You know, I mean, PFF has him as a top three corner right now. Like I've, I've heard some stuff that he's a good corner too. He's playing corner one football. Like he's playing lockdown corner one football and he's going to have the benefit of maybe even getting a corner one back with Trey White next year and a Christian Benford situation. And the Bills are in good shape uh, in the corner room, uh, but this week's a little hairy um, with all these injuries. Micah Hyde also with that that re kind of that re stinger that 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 flare up of the stinger. Um, so hopefully he doesn't have to miss a week because uh, they're getting mighty thin at the DB position, even more so than um, even more so than any other position on the field. So I think that there's some hope here of how this Bills defense. And they, Sean McDermott always puts on a pretty good masterclass against running quarterbacks. He's done really well in his career against Lamar Jackson. He did well against Kyler Murray minus a Hail Mary. Uh, he does good in these situations where these quarterbacks can move. Um, and he's, you know, even, even against Mahomes at times, who's a fairly mobile quarterback, very agile, a little different than the others, um, that he's able to really play some solid sound you'd good against Justin Fields last year so definitely some sound football that McDermott has when it comes to these uh, concepts against rushing quarterbacks uh, so I'm really excited to see what the Bills are able to do uh, in this premier matchup and and really I'm expecting Razul Douglas to get a lot of action against AJ Brown that's a matchup I'm looking forward to Devontae Smith's probably going to pop into the slot to try to take advantage of Cam Lewis in this game but Cam Lewis has held his own so far hasn't had uh, the world's largest amount of snaps, only 83 snaps, uh, but has fared very well in those 83 snaps throughout the last couple of weeks. Week 10 and week 11, he played a lot of snaps um, and, and had had to see the likes of like a Jerry Judy. He's had to see some of those other, um, you know, decent level corner uh, receivers. So he's not going to come in super untested, but he is a guy that the Bills really like. And I do still see an Ingram activation here. Uh, but the linebacker play is going to need to help him out mightily. So we'll see what Terrell Bernard has dialed up. And then the surprise release of Darius Leonard, um, you know, she, you know, Shaq Leonard, like it's definitely a situation that if I'm the bills, it said that the Eagles and the Cowboys are monitoring it. 
And if this happened four or five weeks ago, I thought the Bills would be all over it. I still think they could entertain this. They still roster AJ Klein. I think it's a scenario with a leadership level. And we'll see. We'll see what the Bills are able to, if the Bills will get involved there on a player that has been all pro uh, that was released for cap and for um, and for youth purposes in Indy. They, they're not really serious about competing, even if they're five and five. Like They, they know they're not going to get it done. They want to give him a chance to compete and would only cost 400K. Um, so it's definitely a scenario where a team like a, the beat up team, like the bills could really start to dive into and, um, can play a little bit if they think that he can be a, uh, an upgrade to, uh, maybe some of those backup level players, um, in, uh, in the linebacker room. So as always, www.sonsofeerie.com, check out all of their great work and what they're able to do. And, Kevin, I got to bounce it to you for a minute. Where do you, what are your feelings as they, you know, they get kind of close here, you know, four days away to game time. Are you feeling like this is a game the Bills can win, um, you know, free and easy, maybe a trap game for the Eagles. You saw what you saw. Are you feeling like the Bills may have a chance to come out of here on a two game winning streak into a bye, into a stretch run? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think they can definitely get it done. And I think my feelings are the same as they were even in the Ken Dorsey era, just because of the potent offense of the Eagles and due to all the injuries that the Bills have on defense. I don't think that the Eagles are going to, I don't think that the Bills are going to be able to hold the Eagles down to less than 20 points. I think this is a team that's going to score in the 20s or even 30s. And I think this is going to come down to the Bills offense once again. And as simple as this sounds, you just have to outscore them. We need Josh Allen to be on his A game. We need Joe Brady to continue to, you know, put the things in place that he started last week, utilizing guys like James Cook and Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid and maybe even Ty Johnson. Maybe if they elevate uh, Leonard Fournette, who knows with that. And then obviously with Diggs and Davis. But I think this is a huge week for the offense where if the Bills want, if they have any chance of winning this game, you're going to have to get your best from Allen and Diggs and the rest of the crew. Yeah, I, I said that I think that this is a Stefan Diggs game. Like, that's kind of what I was pointing to. Like, you know, it wasn't last week, two weeks ago. It wasn't times. But I think that it's time like that we saw what Brady was able to do with his second and third options, what he was able to do with some of those guys that no one was expecting and Cleo Shakir, uh, Ty Johnson, et cetera. This may be a time where you go out and you have Stefan Diggs beat a Slay, beat a Bradbury, and get it done for your team. This might be a time where Josh Allen is hyper-focused, hyper-locked into Stefan Diggs and really gets it done. And don't be like, I know that everyone's down on Gabe Davis. One of these days, um, he's going to have a Gabe Davis-like game, and he does show up in big games. So the one thing you can say about Gabe Davis is he, play, he plays well in the playoffs. He plays well against big teams. Maybe time that you see what Gabe Davis is made of in a situation to where maybe now the defense is going to cheat a little bit more to those second and third options that they weren't doing in previous uh, previous games. Um, and they were kind of just letting Gabe kind of dictate where he ran his route. And Gabe really attacked the space well uh, last week, really well to the fact where put a lot of stress on defenses to either go with Gabe or to leave him wide open in the space. So uh, if he continues to put that stress on, eventually corners and linebackers are going to have to make decisions. And either he's going to be open or who he's clearing space for is going to be open. And he's done that to a high level, hence why Joe Brady probably called him the MVP of the game 
because what he was able to do freeing up the rest of his team. So that's definitely a, a pretty interesting note uh, here uh, as we come into the Bills second day, um, a second game with Joe Brady. So we're pretty, um, you know, we're, we're really going to get into score predictions here in a moment, but I wanted to dive a little bit more into the Eagles running game, Kevin, and how the Bills can stop that. Uh, you know, they went out and they acquired DeAndre Swift, a guy that, you know, really didn't play week one. They went with, um, you know, a different, you know, they, they kind of went with a rotation there and gain well Boston Scott a little bit. Uh, but Swift is obviously the better back. Are you worried at all about the Bills run defense or do you have confidence knowing what they were able to do against Brees Hall, Rashad White, um, Joe Mixon? Are you feeling Javante Williams? Are you feeling pretty good about this run game with between Hertz and Swift? Again, I don't think that this is going to be a week where the Bills defense can shut down their opponent. The Eagles are definitely going to get their yards. They're definitely going to get their points, but you just have to make sure that you're holding them at the right times. Um, and what I mean by that is you're going to hope that the offense is clicking and scoring points and maybe taking them out of those types of situations where they can't run the ball as much because if the Bills fall down, let's just say 14 nothing, that's the Eagles' bread and butter where they can just ground and pound you and then all of a sudden it's 21 nothing and it snowballs. But if you can continue on with that momentum and go up by a couple scores on them, that takes them out of those running situations. And, you know, I tweeted this a couple days ago. Maybe I should have worded my uh, words a little bit better here, but I said we're going to need Linval Joseph to help plug up the tush push. So, uh, again, maybe I could have rearranged that a little <laughs> bit better. But I think Linval Joseph and his big body is going to be a huge factor because no one can stop this tush push. I mean, Kevin, do, do we think that the Bills will have the answer? Will Sean McDermott have the answer to stopping this tush push? Or is that just an automatic at this point? If it's third and one or fourth and one, even fourth and two, is it a given that the Eagles are going to get it? Are there any answers here? No, I think that's why the competition community is looking at this. They're going to look at the rates and the percentages and know that they're basically making a first and nine situation. Um, at some point, we'll see how that that they already voted on it last year. But no, I do not believe that they will have the answers. I mean, no one really has. Even some of the best minds haven't been able to quite stop that yet. And that's why the Bills third down is going to be so important to actually get penetration now, not just hold them um, if it's a third and one or, or a third and two situation. You can't even let them get that extra yard. You got to do whatever you can. And the Bills third down defense has risen a little bit. Obviously, 38.6% of the time teams are converting. The Eagles are actually much further down the list at 43.8% of the time, 6% higher. So the Bills need to win on third down. Uh, and right now, uh, they are a little bit better of a third down defense than the uh, Eagles are at this stage. So that is definitely something that they're going to have to um, kind of have to account for. So definitely a money down when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles, because they have that extra yard that is essentially free right now. I don't think there's a way to beat it. I've seen some college moves where someone gets over the top and pulls the running back back or the quarterback back. Um, I have not seen really much else. Um, be able to work in a lot of these in a lot of these situations so far there has not been a way to stop it but eventually somebody's going to put something on film um, with a way to just like you saw with Philadelphia trying to get this get get the spike like where you're going to eventually dive into the spike and pop it up and pot and catch it for an interception so 
Um, there's definitely some, someone needs to create something that would stop this tush push because right now it's just not there. And I don't foresee a situation to where uh, that happens at this stage. So no, I do not. I think they're in first and nine, the essentially the entire game. Um, so you need to make them more than any other team. Seriously, you need to make sure that they're in negative down and distance situations because they basically get a free yard every single drive. So it's definitely something that they need to highly consider uh, as you kind of put together this game plan. But one thing that's really cool, third down on the other side, offensively, both teams are 48% at converting first and second in the league. Uh, so you're going to see some third down uh, opponents and, and the Eagles is obviously pretty high because what they can do uh, with the tush push. Um, but they're, and then obviously on fourth down, they lead the league 17 attempts on fourth down so far for the Eagles. They've converted 13 of them as compared to the bills at 11. Uh, they've converted six of them, which is still pretty good. 54.6%. Uh, the bills are, so the bills are very good at converting, uh, in third and fourth down them and the Eagles are the top of the league, uh, in both of those situations, but the bills still have to figure out penalties offensively 73 fourth in the league. Um, so that's a number that, um, is hurting them right now. Philadelphia, for instance, is toward the bottom of the league with Cincinnati at 54 penalties. So essentially two penalties less a game right now uh, on offense uh, than the Bills are are at this stage. So they got to clean that up a little bit uh, as you as you kind of look at that going forward. So those and are your numbers of the game. Real quick, Jalen Hurts can squat 600 pounds. So this isn't just because their offensive line is so good. Jalen Hurts is very yeah. powerful for being such a small dude. Yeah, and that's what most people forget. Actually, I saw some tweets too going forward that uh, Ty Johnson's actually a super big Bills squatter. Um, so he's one of the biggest squatting guys on the team too. So uh, I think he's in the 600-pound range as well. Um, so that could be why his explosiveness is so strong. But yeah, a lot of people say, I can run the touch push, college teams, high school teams. But that's part of it. Like you need to have a quarter. You can't just go in there and just run it. You got to have a quarterback that can win himself, not just rely on that old line on that push. Because a lot of things need to go right. You saw the bills essentially try to run a touch push against the Vikings last year and put the ball on the ground when Gabe Davis went to push Josh Allen and lost the game against the Vikings. So there's still an execution factor that needs to be had here. Um, and a lot of times that just goes unnoticed and it's just easy to do. And it's free. It's free for the Eagles, but it is definitely not free um, from a point of view from the rest of the league. You've seen some stops, but you necessarily haven't seen those stops to your question uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles um, going forward. So is there one player that you're most worried about, Kevin? And the Eagles? From an offensive or defensive standpoint? It could be either or both, one of each. It doesn't matter. I think this might sound like a cop-out answer because you could probably pick these guys no matter who the opponent is, but based on the Bills' injuries, I am really worried about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Because going up against them in fantasy multiple weeks, it's like, okay, if we could just hold them in check, maybe I'll win in fantasy. And then it's like, nope, they go off every single week. Like I was about <laughs> to win my league last week, and Devontae Smith caught that bomb oh, to I set know. up the game-winning touchdown. So that, that goes back to my original point. You can try to limit these guys, but you are not going to shut them down. So if you're out there and you're thinking about whether you should start A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I would say definitely start them because these are – guys that just constantly eat every week um so yeah i'm definitely that that's probably like my biggest worry going into this game is the, the bills weakened secondary against this eagles potent offense led by those two dynamic receivers and of course jalen hurts 
Yeah, what's good about that though is once again the receiver, the corners playing are the Bills' top corners. So hopefully Benford and Douglas uh, are able to do some job. And they and the, and the Chiefs did a really good job against AJ Brown. Like I'm an AJ Brown owner um, in a lot of my leagues, and he killed me equally to your situation. He 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 was shut down, and now is coming out with a nagging injury. So we'll see if the Bills' corners can have a similar game plan. Also, what I wanted to make sure to bring up here as we get it back into the build the matchup, the Bills' offensive statistics. Um, and we'll get Kevin's statistics here in a moment as well. But if you look at EPA per play here, um, you can kind of see how well the Bills are playing offensively to a tune of, you know, 0.12. So they're playing a little bit better offensively in every cat. Like I, I mentioned earlier that the, the Eagles offense has been really good, but the Bills offense has been better in every category, in every single one from advanced metrics to a lot of standard traditional box scores. So when you look at this from a perspective of even defensively, uh, there's a little more wins on the Eagle side, uh, but still the explosive play rates, one killing the bills. That's the one that everyone thinks the bills can't stop the run. It's because of that explosive play, rate. They're 24th in the league. They lie out 10% of the time. Uh, as you can see, they're 8.5% for the Eagles. So they're pretty good. It's a slim 1.5%, but that's the 1.5% that people think the bills can't stop the run, or they have a lot of explosive plays because they do have explosive plays, but it's only because they're letting up one big run. And it kind of feels like it's the entire game. Uh, but ultimately, the Bills has, have hunkered down. Their success rate's okay. Their EPA per pass to Kevin's worry about the receivers, and they've played some good receivers this year, has been top 10, um, and the Eagles is 17th. So that's a vulnerability for me, is that EPA per pass allowed and the EPA per rush allowed on the Eagles. is 17th in the league. This isn't a top-flight defense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to call them a top-flight defense. Maybe they'll prove me wrong on Sunday, but there's no metric that proves to me that they're a top-flight defense including any metric that you want to point to. Their offense is absolutely elite in most categories, and that's where Eagles fans feel like they've had a drop-off with their offensive coordinator change. But for the most part, they're not getting the explosives, so that's maybe where they're feeling their offense isn't as good. But if you look at some of their metrics, they're in pretty great shape uh, in, in, in those situations. And you look at the top, obviously, you know, Allen's been better than Hurts in a lot of metrics. Cook's been better than Swift. And uh, Brown's been a little bit better than Diggs. Uh, but you see that right there. And then Khalil Shakir is actually another EPA mach machine. He affects games. He causes points for when he gets targets. Um, so those are some of the advanced statistics that I wanted to bring up against offense on offense uh, as you see what these teams are going to be able to do. But there's some pretty good EPAs that uh, will point to a positive scenario. And I think you've started to see it against the Jets. So, Kevin, what are some of the offensive statistics you're looking at as Sunday kicks off at four o'clock. Well, first of all, going back to our fantasy conversation here, I was looking on the fantasy app from NFL.com and I said that the Eagles are dead last in giving fantasy points up to opposing wide receivers. Is that correct? It doesn't seem like it's true when you have yeah, if you pull like back, if you pull back up their explosive play rate, I would assume that that makes sense because once again, um, you know, they're allowing some of the EPA per pass at 17th. Um, and I'm assuming now, knowing what I know, that's mostly to receivers rather than say to tight ends or others. Um, so it does make sense that those metrics could line up to allowing um, a lot of points to receivers. Yeah, because I think Diggs is projected to have a big day because it says the Eagles are ranked 32nd against opposing wide receivers from a fantasy standpoint. And I was like, how is that true when you have guys like Darius Slay and James Bradbury? And, you know, they have a tough secondary to begin with. 
But yeah, I definitely had to do a double take there. I, I haven't seen what Gabe Davis's projected totals are because I'm curious to see if that means he will get more that well, I mean, the bar isn't set too high right now with zero grabs last week, but maybe this could be an uptick for Gabe Davis. But uh, the other stats that I wanted to get to, James Cook is fourth in the league in rushing. That was another stat that I had to do a double take. Now, granted, the Bills have played one more game than most teams because they haven't had the bye yet. They have that late bye coming up. But James Cook has 688 rushing yards. And for what it's worth, Ken Dorsey and the Bills were essentially holding him back. And if you want to say Sean McDermott, I would totally listen to that because he put him in timeout after he fumbled against the Broncos. So he held him out for two quarters and he comes back and rips off big chunks here and there. So, um, you know, James Cook has been playing and running really, really well this year. Yeah, let's take a look now at, um, you know, some of the situations to what you were talking about just then with the with the Eagles defense. You see their biggest they've struggled here at the corner slot corner position. They've rotated in a bunch of guys. Bradley Roby's not a guy that I particularly think is very good at this stage of his career. They went with Josh Job at some times. They've, they've kind of they've kind of rotated in here, bringing safety in where needed. They had to go out and inquire Kevin Byard because they were struggling there at the uh, safety position. Obviously, they got him for a pretty good value. And Reed Blankenship is a late-round rookie from last year who's played pretty well. But that's, you know, factoring Morrow and Cunningham. Can they keep that linebacker play up? We'll see. Hasn't been Cox's best year. They had to go out and acquire Sweat. So they went all in. I mean, these weren't, you know, Bayard and Sweat weren't low-end deals. I mean, they they went out and acquired these guys, giving up, you know, a lot of their middle-round draft capital. And that corner that corner room, you know, Bradbury's not playing very good. Roby is is just kind of filling in. He's not playing very good. Slay's been good, but I wouldn't say great at this stage. And you kind of see their offense, where how well this offensive line's played. Um, and PFF's not my favorite, but it does bring you know. Unless you want to sit here and look through EPAs, which I just showed you, I don't want to. I don't want to get into that too much. I mean, this is a little bit more digestible, even if it's not my favorite data set in the world. It kind of gives you a view of what's happening here from an Eagles perspective, and they really don't have a second option. Um, excuse me, a third option behind their two starting receivers. They don't have a tight end at the moment. Um, so they're very limited where can McDermott scheme up a situation to where they're going against um, just Smith and Brown. I think that's what 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 the Bills are going to do to, to, to shut this down. But the thing the Bills have kind of started to stress, stop the run, stop Hurts and Swift. Um, they, they think their corners are good enough to at least affect the game. Like what they were able to do against chase, uh, what they were able to do against Tyreek Hill, um, what they're able to do against these top flight receivers that the bills have played, um, you know, what they were able to do against Jerry Judy, what they were able to do against salt and minus one throw up on fourth down. Um, so they've played some good receivers and the bills are going to trust themselves. They want to shut this run game down and make hurts one dimensional. That is Brent. Uh, that is Sean McDermott's game plan. He wants to do whatever he can to make it so that only A.J. Brown's going to have to take home the W. And that's exactly what the game plan is, in my opinion. Make them throw the ball. Make Hurts put the ball into danger. He's turned the ball over many times so far this season. Um, so it isn't, you know, only a few interceptions less than Josh Allen. He's somebody that you need to attack and make him throw the ball to. So that's kind of what I'm seeing from a offensive side of the ball. As we kind of get into, you know, let's put this together, Kevin. Let's put our score predictions together. Let's say what we're thinking about this, and then we'll get into one of our final segments, which is going to be what we see happening um, on the stretch run. And we'll kind of get into that in the bye as well next week. 
but let's hear about what you think is going to happen. I'll put this all together for us. What you think this is, what is going to happen. As always, our score predictions are brought to Sons of Erie, sonsoferie.com, www.sonsoferie.com. Check them out on Instagram. What do you think is going to happen here on Sunday? Well, before I get my score prediction, I just want to say one more thing about the matchups here because you were talking about Jalen Hurts, and I want to talk about Jalen Hurts versus Josh Allen because for as much as we've been talking about the Eagles secondary versus Diggs and Davis and then A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith versus our secondary, Josh Allen has been playing some of his best football this year. And I think I saw, according to some betting outlet, that Jalen Hurts is now favored to win the MVP. And let's not forget, Josh Allen is first in the league in passing touchdowns with 22. He's still first in total touchdowns with 29. Hurts is second, I believe, with 24. And then Josh is fourth in yards with 2,875. And he's fourth in completion percentage, and he only trails Brock Purdy by six tenths of a percent for first place. So Josh has been playing just as good a football, if not better than Jalen Hurts this year. So let's not forget that we also have a dog and it's not just on the Eagles side. Absolutely. Well, it's time, time for score predictions, Kevin. Why don't you now knowing what you're saying, put it all together for me. What do you think it happens? (laughs) Yeah. After I just hyped up our quarterback, I am going to take the Eagles here, and I will explain on our final segment, but I think this is going to be a very tough game. I think it's going to be one of those games where the offense is looking really sharp, but in the end, the Eagles offense is just going to be a little bit too much for the Bills to handle, especially with the injuries. So I'm going to take the Eagles in a close one, 31 to 27. Yeah, I mean, realistically, that is probably a scenario that sounds likely. The Bills are going to need a turnover. They're going to need to do what I just said. They're going to need to stop the Eagles' run game. If they can do that, I think it bodes well for the Bills. I think they're going to get a passing interception that's going to change this game. I kind of have the flip score to what you have going on. I think that the Bills' receivers and this offense is going to get going. They're going to lead this team to a W that they need. I got a 30-27 to victory. They're going to get back that Denver loss that they just had and they're going to kick a field goal to win the game um, after a turnover. That's my prediction. That's where I'm thinking. If they can limit Swift and they can limit Hurts in the running game, A.J. Brown will probably get his. Uh, Devontae Smith may as well. But they're going to need to do that to put it all together to get this victory. Um, And I think that this is going to be a two-win, two wins in a row going into the bye, feeling pretty good as they get an extra week to get all their guys back and to prepare for Kansas City off a bye. Sean McDermott doesn't lose off the bye. Going to be a pretty interesting, and they've lost one tw- uh, two straight into Arrowhead. Hopefully, they can win two Don't straight games, two straight two straight Arrowhead wins. There's a lot of good things uh, going in. Five straight wins for McDermott off the bye. So there's definitely going to, to feel some really good things um, going into Kansas City. But those are the kind of they need to steal a game. That is for sure. They have to steal this game. That puts them in really great position. Maybe mixed with this sloppy Jets defense win with Boyle against the Dolphins. Maybe not, but I think it's time for our kind of our wrap up segment on what we think. You know, we're going to talk about this into the bye a little bit more in detail, but I'm going to start with Kevin and tell us what your opinions are on the rest of the Bills season and what they'll need to do. You just predicted a loss. So what they'll need to do uh, with that information. Well, I did predict a loss. Now, I could easily see a win, but 
I have this weird feeling that the Bills are going to end on a tear. I think they're going to get healthy, as healthy as they can, because guys like Trey White and Matt Milano probably won't be back for the stretch run. We know Trey's definitely done. There's still a glimmer of hope for Matt Milano, even though Sean McDermott did say that his season is most likely done. But you look at these guys like Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson, uh, Taylor Rapp, Dawson Knox should be coming back. Like you said earlier in the show, I, I could see him back. He is eligible to return this week, but the injury was a little bit more serious than they expected. So they'll probably hold him out this week, give him the bye. He should be back against Kansas City. So I think they're going to get as healthy as possible. And I think that they are going to rip off five straight wins. Now, here's something interesting that I found this week here. So if you look at the Bills' last three seasons, 2020, they finished on a six-game winning streak, and then they won the AFC East. 2021, they finished on a four-game winning streak and won the division. Last year, they finished on a seven-game winning streak and then won the AFC East for a third year in a row. So what happens this year? Now, I'm going to remain optimistic and say that Joe Brady and this offense is going to continue to get back on track. And like I just said, the Bills are going to get healthy at the right time. And I think that they're going to take this tough loss in Philly. They're going to go into the bye. And this year, they are going to rip off five straight wins en route to a fourth straight division title. Now, on the flip side of this, let's look at the Dolphins' schedule. Because I see them losing their final three games, setting up a pivotal Week 18 matchup down in Miami for a winner-take-all type of scenario for the AFC East. And that's where I have the Bills winning to finish at 11-6 and and winning the AFC East, knocking Miami down to a wild card or maybe not even in the playoffs anymore. Interesting. So 11 and six win the division three seed is that the four seed for you at that stage. What do you think? I haven't gotten that far yet, but basically, okay. So let's look at the dolphin schedule. So they play the jets. Oh, this game is in New York. Okay. So they're in New York on black Friday at three o'clock and then they go to Washington. Now those will probably be wins, but who knows? I mean, they're on the road, colder climates to it could falter. And then they come back home to play the Titans that is a primetime game December, December 11th at 8.15. I don't know if that's Sunday night or Monday night. And then they play the Jets. So realistically, those are probably four wins. So I think the Dolphins are going to be 11-3. and three, And then they have Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. And that's where I think the season unravels, where I think that the Bills are going to be 7-6. and six. Whether that means that they beat Philadelphia and lose to Kansas City, or vice versa. I think either way, the Bills are going to be seven and six, and then they're going to rip off four more wins to claim the division title. So that's how I see it, where the Bills are going to be playing their best football down the stretch once again. And I don't know. I mean, I just have that weird feeling that it could come together. Like you said, I mean, the numbers are still very favorable for the Bills. Vegas still favors the Bills. All the betting odds are on the Bills' side. Josh Allen says that he feels like he's effing back. I mean, let's go, baby. I, what, what do you think, Kevin? Is this is this something that we could see? Because I'm already thinking about clipping this up and posting it and pinning it on my Twitter for when we come back to this in January. I think it's a good prediction because I think that you get the best from these teams and their backs against the wall, hence the streaks that you talked about. Like, that's why you get those win streaks. Those aren't just for fun. Um, I think that 
you know what you have and what you're going to be needing to do to win this thing. And I don't believe that this is a not playoff team. So even if they can't come and, and they're able, like say the dolphins are able to beat the Cowboys. I mean, that may put it out of reach that may put it out of reach. Um, but I don't think what's going to put it out of reach is the bills to go in and face a team where no one's going to want to see them, whether it's Baltimore, who they've already beaten in the playoffs, whether it's Miami, who they've already beaten multiple times, um, whether it's Kansas city, who they can conceivably beat in arrowhead again, like, there's a lot of situations where the first thing the Chiefs are not looking to do is probably play the Bills in the wild card round. That's probably not their top toward the top of their list of things that they need to do. They probably no offense. They probably are looking at it. They want a Steelers team. They might want a Browns team. They might want one of those situations where they feel they can dictate. They're probably not going to want a team where they've, um, you know, feel like could play pound for pound with them uh, in this thing. So ultimately. I do think the Bills do enough to make the playoffs. Will they make it do enough to win the division? I think it's fair, but you just listed off four games. I do think the Dolphins are going to have to drop one of them. If they do, now it's now it's fully in play. I don't think they can go 4-0 um, and give the Bills much of a chance because I still think there's a chance that they could – I don't think they're going to be Baltimore, but I still think that there's a chance that they can slap together a win against the, uh, against the, the Cowboys. Um, so we'll see. But I, knew, I, I think we need – a one of those four. We don't need them to lose three or f- of those four. We do need the Dolphins to drop. I think one of those four games that you just went over, and hopefully Rabel's got some plans for them on a, on a primetime game. Hopefully the Jets have one in them. Uh, maybe the Commanders can have a sneaky game with Howell and, and some of the things they're able to do on at home. Um, so hopefully one of those scenarios goes the way of the Bills and against the Dolphins for them to be able to do it. Uh, and then into some of those losses against the Ravens and et cetera. But there's going to be a scary moment here, Kevin, where they're going to be at least two games, maybe three games behind the Dolphins uh, for the majority of the rest of the season until those final three games. So that's going to be the scary time. And that's what makes it so interesting because for the sake of this show, you know, I don't want to switch up because I did predict the Bills to lose. So I think that the Bills are going to be six and six. Everyone's going to go into the bye. And be very worried, and you're going to watch Miami win, and everyone's going to be down and say, oh, I guess we're not going to win the division. That's not even in the cards anymore. Let's just hope for a wild card. And I think that, like you said, the Bills play when the, the Bills play their best when their backs are up against a wall. And I think that they're going to rip off five straight wins because I think it is more likely that they can beat Kansas City than Philadelphia. Because they know Kansas City, they've seen them before. I think they match up better against the Chiefs than they do the Eagles. And hopefully, again, they should be getting healthier. So I see the Bills going to 7-6, and six, beating Kansas City, and then beating Dallas, the Chargers, the Patriots, bringing them to 10-6, and six, setting up for that crucial Week 18 matchup between the 11-5 and five Dolphins and the 10-6 and six Bills, and the winner gets the division. It's certainly going to be interesting because Tua doesn't win in cold weather. So he's got a lot of home games. That's going to help them out this season uh, for sure down the stretch. Only Baltimore is on the road. Uh, that must be a nice way to finish your season in a historically way to where there is a conceivable chance that the only loss they have is that Ravens game before the Bills. And it may not matter. So the Bill, we do need to make sure that uh, that something goes the Bills way or they take care of all their business. Uh, so it's got to be one way or the other because just a Ravens loss alone would be enough if the Bills can take advantage of their schedule. So, well, we really appreciate everybody sticking with us here on a Thanksgiving Eve. We really appreciate how everyone has a happy holiday. 
And thanks for tuning in to the inaugural edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast and the Built in Buffalo Network. We're proud to be here. This show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com and the Summit Center for the best uh, autism care in Western New York for children with disabilities. But from everything that we have planned for you, we have some great guests coming up for you. Please get out there, retweet, go win a jersey, subscribe to this channel. Really means a whole lot for you all tuning in and coming over and, and tuning with us in the Built in Buffalo Network. We hope for some big things that we have planned, some big sponsorships, some big events, and we really want to give back. So please go out there and give a chance to win that autographed jersey and mini helmet, as well as the Sons of Erie giveaway that they're running on their Instagram account. All you got to do is tag a couple people for a chance to win there. So really hoping some of our viewers bring home some of these great prizes that you'll see across uh, see across the entire Going Deep Buffalo Network. And, and for all of our on-demand audio listeners on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your stuff. We really appreciate you listening to us audio as well. Feel free to interact with us live on our new show time Wednesdays at seven for the foreseeable future. So we appreciate everybody there. And yes, the Dolphins have yet to beat a team over 500. And I think there's something to that. It's more that they don't do it in the over much over a year stretch. So there's something to that to where they do struggle against teams that can get it done. But we really appreciate being a part of your Wednesdays going forward, Wednesdays at 7. There's so many good uh, audio and video podcasts out there around football. So we really appreciate you being a part of this. We're going to bring you some of the best guests coming forward. So from the Going Deep Buffalo podcast, I'm Kevin. That's Kevin. We'll be right back at you next week at 7 o'clock to not only recap the bye, probably talk a lot about the Eagles game. Uh, and we'll get going on some of that stuff. But we really appreciate everybody tuning into this brand new edition and our first edition. And we'll be back at you every Wednesday at 7 right here, YouTube, Facebook, across all of the Built in Buffalo channels. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you in a week. Happy Thanksgiving. Go Bills.